Well, church, this morning, uh, as we come in our series on the minor prophets uh, to the book of Zephaniah, we come to the minor prophet for which all other minor prophets gain their reputation. (laughs) The prophecy of Zephaniah and his thorough and descriptive warning about the coming day of the Lord may be one of the main reasons why these are the least read passages in all of the Scriptures. And it may be one of the reasons for why, when they are actually read, that there is a great amount of discomfort in reading them. Placed towards the end of a a long line of prophetic Old Testament messages, Zephaniah's voice was largely disregarded by the people of his time, And his message is one that is largely disregarded by the people of our time as well. But a dismissal of this prophetic voice and the warning that he gives is both to their detriment and to ours. Because his challenging prophecy speaks a profound and an incredibly important message both to his time and to us still today. And so, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them with me to the book of Zephaniah. And let's consider together the major message of this minor prophet. Now, right from the start, and all the way throughout his message, the prophet Zephaniah is giving us a warning regarding the day of the Lord. Now, we've heard this phrase, the day of the Lord, a number of times up to this point throughout the different prophets that we have considered. But Zephaniah references this coming day far more than any of the other prophets do. In fact, throughout these three short chapters of the book of Zephaniah, Zephaniah mentions or references the day of the Lord on 20 different occasions. Most clearly and most importantly, In chapter 1, verse 7, where he writes that the day of the Lord is near. And that's really what this book is all about. That is the major message of this minor prophet, that the day of the Lord is near. And in that statement, there are two important pieces of information that are given to us. The first is that there is such thing as a day of the Lord. That is an actual thing. And the second is that this day is near, that it is coming soon. And all of the rest of the message is explaining those two realities. So let's look at those two points and consider what each of them mean. First, what is the day of the Lord? Throughout the prophets in particular, and the rest of the scriptures in general... This phrase, the day of the Lord, is used a number of times, and it carries with it a number of different, but always related, meanings. In general, the day of the Lord refers to a momentous time or event when God would act in human history. Sometimes those events were imminent. Sometimes they were to occur years or even centuries later. But all of them were foreshadowing and were ultimately leading up to the great and terrible day of the Lord, which will occur at the end of time, when Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. At that time, 
God will decisively fulfill all of his prophecies in one final judgment on humanity, bringing disaster upon his foes and triumph to his followers. And so the prophet Zephaniah is warning the people about this coming day of the Lord, a time when the Lord will act in judgment on the earth. And throughout his prophecy, he gives two very different pictures of what the day of the Lord will look like. In fact, he lays out two exact opposite options for experiencing it. The first experience of the day of the Lord that Zephaniah gives us is found in chapters 1 and chapter 2 and in the first half of chapter 3. Here, Zephaniah describes what the day of the Lord will be like, first for Judah, then for Judah's enemies, and finally for Jerusalem and the nations of the world. And when you add all of those participants up together, what you end up with is everyone. (laughs) The day of the Lord is going to come upon God's people and those who aren't God's people, upon God's city, Jerusalem, and upon the cities that are opposed to God and his ways, which are the rest of the cities of the world. Zephaniah is saying that the day of the Lord will come upon all of the earth. And the warnings of what that day will be like are terrifying and are apocalyptic in nature. Listen to a few of the descriptions of what it will be like. In chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord declares, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Verse 15, he says, that it will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And a little further down in verse 17, he says, I will bring distress on mankind. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. In chapter 2, verses 4 and following, we read that Gaza shall be deserted, and Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people will be driven out, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Canaan will be destroyed until no inhabitant is left. Later in verse 9, we see that Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites like Gomorrah. In verse 12 and following, God says that the Cushites shall be slain by his sword, that Assyria will be destroyed, that Nineveh will become a desolation. And finally, in chapter 3, verse 8, God says that he is going to gather the nations and assemble kingdoms to pour out upon them his indignation and all of his burning anger. And that in the fire of his jealousy, all of the earth will be consumed. This is the coming day of the Lord. And Zephaniah describes it as factual, as fearful, as fair, and as final. It's factual in that this is from the word of the Lord. It is going to happen. It's fearful as it is a dreadful description of judgment. And we should be afraid of experiencing it. It's fair because the reason that this is happening, according to chapter one, verse 17, is because we have sinned against the Lord. 
And it is final. Because as we see in chapter 2, verse 9, God's judgment is forever. This is the day of the Lord. And it is how everyone in the world will experience it. But we don't have to experience it that way. Because Zephaniah also describes a second experience of the day of the Lord in the second half of chapter 3. And this experience is exactly opposite of the previous one. Now look with me at chapter 3, verse 11, where God says that on that day you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. It's exact opposite of you will experience punishment because you have sinned. Here, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds which you have rebelled against me. Or in verse 15, when Zephaniah says that the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. Or in verse 16 and following, when we read that on that day it shall be said, Fear not, O Zion. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Here, in this experience of the day of the Lord, instead of judgment placed against us, judgment is taken away. Instead of being condemned for our evil, we will be changed and made pure. Instead of being afraid, we are told to fear not. Instead of being scattered, we will be gathered. Instead of fortunes being ruined, our fortunes will be restored. This is literally the exact opposite experience of what we saw before. And this is as if Zephaniah is holding them before us saying, Which would you rather? Would you rather be condemned or consoled? Would you rather be seared or would you rather be saved? Or would you rather be judged or justified? Or would you rather be swept away by God's wrath or sung over in His love? It should be the easiest answer to any question that has ever been asked. Do you want to die Or do you want to live? Which would you rather? As obvious as the answer seems, you still must make a decision, though. Because the second part of Zephaniah's major message is that this day is coming soon. The time for a decision is now. The great day of the Lord is near. Near and hastening fast. We read in chapter 1, verse seven, four, uh, 14. And yet, despite the obvious choice that is to be made, and despite the urgency in which it needs to be made, many people refuse to choose. This warning, it should have gotten Judah's, the people of Judah's, attention. But apparently it did not. Because Zephaniah was the last prophetic voice that they ever heard before the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and God's people were taken away into captivity. God had graciously sent prophet after prophet, given them warning after warning. 
And, and whether it was because the previous prophet's warnings had not yet come to pass, and so they thought that Zephaniah was just another scare story, or, or for some other reason, I don't know. But whatever the case may be, they failed to respond to this prophetic warning. And their lack of response was ultimately a choice for judgment. They fell prey to the foolish thinking described in chapter 1, verse 12, where they were complacent, believing that the Lord would not do good, nor would He do ill. The result of that complacency was God's punishment. Choosing to make no decision, choosing not to respond to God and to His warning, is ultimately a choice for the judgment that we deserve and that He has promised. And this is the same mistake that so many people continue to make, even in the church today. Throughout history, there have always been those who have rejected the idea of a day of reckoning. Either because they are atheistic and deny the existence of a God who stands as judge at the end of time, or because they're universalists. And believe in the existence of God, but not one who judges and punishes wrongdoers. Either way, they consider the warnings of the prophets as nonsense. And it's amazing. Because they'll appreciate and listen to a warning given from a smoke detector in their home, right? They'll respond to that running to make sure that everything is okay, that there is no fire in their house. And they'll appreciate and listen to a warning from a a security system in their car. If they hear that going off, they'll check to make sure that everything is okay with their automobile. It's not that they're against warnings in general. They're thankful for and will respond to those alarms that warn of danger. But not of the warning that comes from the voice of God through His prophets. To that warning, they mock and they disregard And they disbelieve. It's as Peter explained in our New Testament reading this morning that people will doubt because the world just seems to keep on going as it always has. God never seems to act, and so they think He never will. But what they fail to realize is that God's apparent inaction is really His mercy in action. For He is being patient with us in order that all might repent so that none would perish. That is God's heart. He is being patient in order that we might respond to the warnings that have been given. Because the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus warned us in the gospel reading that we do not know when it is coming. And so we must always be ready for that moment. And by not responding to the warnings that are given, people are choosing the punishment that has been promised. Zephaniah gives us two different options for experiencing the day of the Lord. One that leads to judgment and death. And the other that leads to flourishing and to life. Door number one or door number two. Which will you choose? Which would you rather all that we have to do to receive door number two, all that we have to do in order to receive life and not death 
is humble ourselves and turn to the Lord. He does all of the work that's necessary. This is the good news of the gospel, church, and it is, it is all over the prophecy of Zephaniah. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 7. Zephaniah says that the day of the Lord is near, so be silent before the Lord God. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. What Zephaniah is saying is, is that for the day of the Lord, God has gotten a sacrifice ready. Here he's speaking of Christ, the sacrificial lamb of God, who would die for the sins of the world. This is who Jesus is, and, and this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus died as a sacrifice in our place for our sins. He bore the penalty of our sin, and He bore the wrath of God, of God's judgment towards sin, in our place so that we wouldn't have to. And Zephaniah says that not only has God gotten a sacrifice ready, but also that He has made His guests ready, and He has set them apart. He's speaking of us, His church. For we are set apart and made holy. We are consecrated. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what God has done for us and in us through Christ. We are holy because of our association with Him. He took all of our sin, all of our evil, all of our wickedness, and He gave to us all of His righteousness. He consecrated us, set us apart, made us holy. So that we no longer deserve the judgment and punishment for our sins that comes on the great and terrible day of the Lord. And so all that we need to do is be silent before the Lord. Be be still before Him. Trust in the work that He has done. He does all of the work. And throughout the rest of this prophecy, we see that work of the Lord We see the work that he does in order to to upgrade our future from door number one to door number two. Look again at at chapter three, verse nine. God says, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. In verse 11, he says, I will remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones. In verse 15, Zephaniah says, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. And at the very end, in verse 19 and 20, God says, I will change their shame into praise. I will bring you in. I will gather you together. I will make you renowned. I will restore your fortunes. This saving work of God that moves us from condemnation to consolation, from from judgment to justification, and from fear to favor. It is all done by the Lord. He does everything that needs to be done for us. All we need to do is turn to Him, to seek after Him. This is summed up beautifully in chapter 2, verse 3, where Zephaniah writes, Seek the Lord, you humble in the land. Seek righteousness. That is Christ. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. 
And this is what God has done for us, for those who have put their their hope and their trust in His Son. God has hidden us in Christ. So that rather than experience the death that we deserve, we receive the life that Christ has earned by His life, death, and resurrection. Church, the day of the Lord is coming. It is near and hastening fast. How do you want to experience it? The answer seems obvious, but it requires a choice. It requires a response. It requires a response to the warning of God's judgment. It says, Moses told the people of God before they entered into the promised land, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Which will you choose? Which would you rather? I pray that you will choose life. That you may live for God's glory and for your good. Amen.